0: Wake, wake, wake up.
1: Go, go, go. Swing, morning, morning show.
0: The pool master, polar bear, and Dr. Doctor Straw. Wake up. Wake up.
2: Wake up. Welcome, ironradio.org listeners. This is Lonnie Lowry. I am a professor of exercise physiology and nutrition. Dr.
0: Dr. Dr. Straw. And
2: I'm a former
1: competitive bodybuilder.
2: Dr.
0: Straw.
1: Hey, it's Rob Fortress Fortney here. I'm a net journalist. Uh, former editor at some uh, publications in our scope of interest, and former competitive bodybuilder and powerlifter.
0: Polar, polar bear. Polar bear.
1: And this is Phil Stevens. I uh, run Strength Guild, so I'm a coach.
3: The
0: pool master. The pool master. The pool master.
3: I'm also a competitive powerlifter, Highland Games Athletes, and I run the USSF. So and I just announced it this week. We're adding strongman to our uh, Events now. Ooh. I had a bunch of state chairs contact me who aren't happy with where they're at, so I was much obliged to fill that bill. So
2: now, how do you set the rules and whatnot? You said you borrowed from what other groups already do, pretty much for
3: strongman or for like power.
2: Well, like when you said you did, like a, you know the strength yield games, for example. You yeah. You try not to reinvent the rules too much. How how do you take on the strongmen?
3: the strongman well strongman is kind of traditionally everything kind of goes but it's event to event so you might have a max whatever like deadlifts and whatnot. traditionally in strongman hitching's allowed it's just you got to pick it up and same thing with anything over your head it's not like Olympic lifting to where you know it has to go up overhead without a press out. it's right get it locked out over your head it counts right I just wondered about the rules yeah event to event Um, but it's a little more wide open in in strongman
2: I got you Okay, well, let's start with a little bit of news, uh, folks.
1: This is Internet Radio.
2: This is um, animal research, so you might say, oh, well, this doesn't apply, and, and you might be right, but it has to start somewhere, and this is brand new stuff. I mean, February 5th, 2014, I kid you not. Um, it says, Finding could explain age-related decline in motor function. This is from UT Health Science Center in San Antonio. Uh, it says scientists from the School of Medicine, et cetera, here have been um, looking as to uh, for clues as to why muscles weaken with age. In a study published today in the Journal of Neuroscience, they report the first evidence that set points occur in the nervous system that are not permanently determined when you're young, but you can actually reset these set points during age. Now, this is an animal model. And these guys, they often look at these researchers like Ben Eaton and uh, what's the other guy's name, Rawson, I believe, Joel Rawson. Uh, they, they look at the synapse, you know, it's so like the neuromuscular junction, for example, or a synapse between where two nerves meet. Um, <clears throat> but it says the body has set points for various things, right? Temperature at 98.6 degrees or salt content in the blood, things like that. And they were saying there's also set points For the nervous system, let's see. It says, we observed a change in the synapse, indicating that the homeostatic mechanism uh, adjusted to a new set point in older animals. The change was nearly 200%, and the researchers predicted that it would leave muscles more vulnerable to exhaustion. So I went and dug up another study. This is a 2012 paper from Rawson and these guys. And in this other paper, this is in uh, Aging Cell, 2012 June, uh, Rawson and colleagues, they said existing data suggests uh, dietary restriction could ameliorate, you know, lessen the synaptic dysfunction with age. They're using flies, actually, and looking at the neur- neuromuscular junction in these little flies here as just a model. Um, but it says they, uh, they've been able to demonstrate that flies raised on a low-calorie diet have enhanced motor function uh, compared to the ones that ate the high-calorie diet. And they're basically showing that that's one of the good things that happens with calorie restriction. So, I don't know. That doesn't sound like good news for a lot of power
1: lifters, I suppose. <laughs> calorie can, restriction. Can, so, so, can you break that down a little bit more for us kind of meatheads? That are, I mean, I, I kind of get what you're saying. Well, yeah, two things. One, in the first that?
2: study, they were saying that Unfortunately, you reset some set point in the nervous system, and again, everybody gets the idea that we human beings are homeotherms. You know, we hold ninety-eight point six degrees Fahrenheit, um, and they're saying your nervous system also has set points. And whereas once there might have been some thought that you set a lot of these nervous system mechanisms and set points in place when you're young, you know, think about the way a lot of coaches will work with young athletes and try to lay down motor patterns, hopefully that stick, you know, forever. And here they're saying actually some of these things that happen where nerves talk to each other or maybe where a nerve talks to a muscle decline with age. And then in this secondary paper that I mentioned, they were saying that calorie restriction might help with all that. Like it might actually reduce some of that. But again, that's almost bad news for people who want to be very strong as they get older because I'm sure as hell not going to start cutting my calories 30% or more, you know. So, um, but everybody's, I think, has heard that calorie restriction enhances longevity. But I think we've touched on that before. It's got to be a massive reduction, usually, like I said, thirty percent. And very few of our listeners, I think, want to go through life starving. <laughs> uh, you know, I mean, yeah, you know, you get you get a hundred and twenty meek and sickly years. Who wants that? <laughs> you yeah, know. Exactly. Uh, but in this case, it was saying that the the dietary restriction. Uh, when the animals grew up on it, it actually enhanced their nervous system. So, uh, I don't know, and I don't know where I'm going with that, <laughs> except that that's in the news. You know that there's there seems to be a connection a between a, a new there's this new newly reported idea that your nervous system has a set point, uh, and also that you know a little bit older study suggests that diet could affect it. I guess the big news if if there is a set point. I don't know, maybe that helps explain the difference between people's strength. You know, we tend to always think it's like tendon insertion or something, you know, vaguely genetic. But if you have a different set point than someone else as to when your nervous system fires or when one nerve talks to another, that could explain strength on some level, you know? Oh, I'll, I'll give you an example from like performance enhancing drugs. Like people who take clenbuterol, it very specifically latches on to the beta 2 type of adrenaline receptor. And, and those guys get brutally strong. I mean, like, strong. Yeah. Um. Because of the purely nervous system kind of effect, right? You're not bigger, but I think I've mentioned this before. Like, I, I mean, I've seen women that could struggle with 135 in the bench start repping out with 185. I mean, but anyway, uh, if there is a set point in your nervous system, like there would be for body weight or body temperature, I don't know. That might explain the differences between people on some level. So I don't know. Uh, set points um nervous system set points in the news
3: yeah that's definitely interesting stuff um geez i guess you know i can go with my news next kind of comical um today's best bodybuilders are no longer doing bodybuilding training they're doing crossfit oh boy (laughs) the biggest beef that i've had lately is like the weird cultish belief that if you want to be a great sprinter, do CrossFit. If you want to be a great, you know, heptathlon person, do CrossFit. If you want to be a great powerlifter, just do CrossFit. It's like they try to market it as, you know, it'll make you the best at everything. Um, yeah. Thing. And now it's even ventured into bodybuilding. And I'm pretty darn sure that, uh, you know, Phil Heath and Jay Cutler and all those guys aren't doing CrossFit.
2: I agree. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs>
3: Oh, um, yeah. So I just thought that was Well, funny.
2: you know, it's uh, like at that seminar that I was just at, J.L. Holdsworth was talking about how, uh, you know, the base of a pyramid, if you think about like a conditioning or a uh, uh, m- neuromuscular skill pyramid, the base of it really should be sort of general physical preparedness, you know, some GPP kind of thing. Kay. But like you're saying, that's the beginning. That's not the end, right? Yeah. Eventually, you got to specialize.
3: So. Well, I guess you know unless you want to just be a GPP warrior. I mean, I'll give it this: CrossFit makes you good at CrossFit. You know, if they just kept it at that, because it does.
2: Yeah, but you know? but it, that, in other words, it makes you good at being a jack of all trades and a master of yes. none. Yes. Right. I mean, really, yeah. there's yeah. no specificity really, unless you're specifically trying to be a jack of all trades.
3: Yeah, you can be purposely pretty damn decent in everything. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, and that's—I guess that's—that turns some people on, you know. And, and I tried it for a long time, like we talked about before. And I'm one of those people that, you know, I was beating myself up because I was trying to be 18 different things at once. And my mindset is, that I'm going to do something. I want to be the best, so I was trying to be the best in 18 different things. So and that yeah. didn't work. So I, you know, then I had to choose my battles, and what I enjoyed was picking up heavy things. So,
2: yeah. yeah, I think the same thing would be true with hypertrophy. I can't imagine. And I'm not real familiar with what everything CrossFitters do, but I, I can't imagine that, you know, <laughs> I'm an exaggerate to make a point, but that doing kip-ups and then sprinting five miles with a barbell over my head, <laughs> yeah. it, you know, is going to give me uh, the kind of balance and muscularity that I need as an intermediate-level bodybuilder.
3: Yeah, it's a totally different you know. Uh, you know, I, I imagine you'd like, get
2: wrestler-esque, probably. Yeah. You know? Oh, yeah. yeah.
3: Eugene Sandow type of. Busy, mm-hmm. which is damn impressive, I mean, it's own right,
1: but. stuff like stuff like CrossFit is great for getting in, in shape as yeah. far as doing general things in life, you know, going grocery shopping and, you know, chasing the dog down the street and mm-hmm. <laughs> things like that but yeah, I mean
3: oh, I, I think, think like, we'll be the first to admit, and Rob, you'd probably say it too I mean, trying to be a heavyweight powerlifter isn't going to do, it makes some things in life harder
1: we, you know, you sure. kind of just you just kind of took the words out of my mouth because I was just about to say. In a lot of ways, the specificity that is required to be very good in some of the different, you know, more hardcore strength disciplines actually impede, mm-hmm. you know, um, the at least the comfort levels. Maybe not the actual doing, but the comfort levels of, of just monotonous yeah. Yeah. everyday yeah. life. Well, and I can then, tell you
2: yeah, too that yeah. research I mean, research backs that up too. If you take people who and I mean, this is in some of the NSCA books. I've seen original research about this. I've written about it before in magazines. But when you divide your resources and you're trying to do lots of cardio-type stuff, it will hurt strength and muscle mass on some level. Um, to people who specialize, that's a no-brainer, you know. But uh, Phil, something that you say that always sticks in my mind, and sometimes I'll see the students is uh, the man who chases two rabbits doesn't eat. You know, and that's what yeah. we're talking about there. CrossFitters are chasing 18 rabbits. Yeah. So if they want to eat just one, a very specific one, it's they're not going to catch it. I don't know.
3: This is interesting, though, because, you know, I, I coach some people that are in CrossFit, too. And the, the weird thing is, is that we have to take our training the same way. You know, I can't have them training for 18 things at one time. We ID weaknesses, and we chase that one until it comes up. You know, uh-huh. What I'm saying, and that I think you're seeing the best people in that are 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 noticing that. But
2: They're you not know,
3: training haphazard.
2: Yeah, but I mean, even biological resources, right? You only got so much energy, oh, yeah. so much carbs and protein, and the idea would be to try to you know send that into muscle mass, yeah. uh, and not burn half of it away or lean toward adaptations that are not about hypertrophy. You know, so, I mean, to claim that it's um, the best way to bodybuild, I mean, it might be good for a little mesocycle during your year. I don't know.
3: No, and I mean, it's not even the – I mean, the Olympic weightlifting is part of it, but all they have to be is very decent. I mean, the girls need to put up a 200-pound cleaning jerk, whereas there's women putting over 400 over their head. So you can't argue that it's going to make you the greatest Olympic weightlifter in the world. They need to be okay at it, you know. so.
2: Yeah, I, I just think they cross the line. I mean, if they are by saying that this is the best way to bodybuilder, this is the best way to powerlift or Olympic lift, it's like, well, you know, it'd be. And a, I think a lot fun. of the shock
3: value that they're going for.
2: Mm-hmm. It's,
1: you, it's, you know, it's, in a lot of ways, though, it's the specificity that I think has killed a lot of the um, more more rugged powerlifters and killed a lot of the more able bodybuilders if that if you guys kind of catch my drift you know uh, when the, when the when the sports kind of merged more mm-hmm. you know when powerlifting was more kind of intrinsically a part of a bodybuilder's life yeah and bodybuilding was more intrinsically a part of a powerlifter's kind of life where they're almost like one and the same kind of thing yeah you know so you had i think a lot of powerlifters that were g- generally speaking um Healthier, you know, and of course that's a very broad <laughs> statement, but you guys kind of get what I'm saying. Yeah, um, and you and you had, you
3: know, but that's like build. any sport, though. Yeah, absolutely. Reaches, things reach a certain level to go to the next level. You've got to get even more specific,
2: right? Which know? means, which means you've got to get even more poor. You got to get even worse at something else. I would argue, yeah, right. Oh, exactly. Right. Yeah,
3: and that's, yeah, I mean, yeah, look that's at bodybuilding. Yeah, you know. To, to
2: Oh they're yeah, mass monsters now. Oh yeah, you know? those mass monsters—they're almost incapable of any kind of normal athletic movement. After a while. yeah, exactly. I hate to so. say that, but let's face it. I mean, well, I you don't... get
1: guys like Branch Warren that freaking like you know um, try to get in a car and you know tear their quad.
2: Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Well, do you remember the sprint race years ago, Rob? Between was it Stridham and Samir Benoud or something? Or yeah, yeah. That's and exactly they both tore their hamstrings. I think. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. Not good. <laughs> so anyway yeah not and you know but honestly I think that's one of the things that can actually be appealing about bodybuilding is you can sculpt a physique and you don't have to be agile, you know, yes. necessarily or super athletic. Uh and I think today a lot of today's young people they're very excited about um the athleticism. You know, I mean? yes. or even powerlifters you can argue. I mean, that JL guy <laughs> Holsworth was saying that uh last week. He's like I would argue powerlifters aren't even athletes. Well, I think you can argue bodybuilders aren't athletes for sure. Uh, But he was even trying to make the case that even powerlifters are. And I guess what he's saying is when it comes to something like quickly adapting to um, either objects coming at you in your environment or, you know, doing something like that. No, I suppose powerlifters aren't super athletic in that way, you know, because they grab something that's more or less stationary and move it a short distance, you know. So uh, I don't know. It'd be interesting though. I, I've never heard the argument applied to powerlifters as much that they're not athletes either. And I think that's where CrossFitters are more athletic. You know, I mean, when I say it, jack of all the trades, term, yeah, yeah or fit, fit, so. right across all the categories: muscular endurance, muscular strength, body comp, cardiovascular. Yeah. Oh, I wanted to say one thing uh, about the CrossFitters. I had a student in class today. And he works uh, in part at a rehab clinic, I believe and i don't know i can't verify this but he said 70% of the injuries that they rehab are from crossfitters i know we've talked about that before you know some of the very jarring ballistic stuff we were talking the other week about the freak accident you know that happened in crossfit i know that's not necessarily
1: well, well yeah it's the it's the it's the, it's the the extreme di- dynamic nature of it that also just lends itself to just hideous injury with people who really have no business doing that
2: well like phil <laughs> phil's not going to program somebody oh hey you know uh mr uh businessman let's let's start your program with some high box jumps <laughs> let's let's do some weighted plyometrics. yeah and i'm not saying they do that from the get-go but you know there is that sort of ballistic aspect at least that's my understanding of some of that stuff
1: and I oh yeah really i ha- i have my share of those guys at my gym too yeah no, and, and, that's the bad and thing. I've
2: seen a lot of them just
1: thrown right
3: into it. Okay, it's day
2: one. You're doing this. And yeah. <laughs> yeah, because on, yeah. on, on some level, it would be good to, to use it as a conditioning phase, but only if you can like ramp up towards something. You don't want to start because the general nature of it would make it good for conditioning, but some of that jarring, bouncing, popping, ballistic stuff, I'm not sure you, you know that that's good until someone's already got a certain level of tissue conditioning and stuff. Yeah. so
3: and, and even so they're still having a lot of even so. guys in our condition you're seeing a lot of blown Achilles pendants and stuff like that
2: yeah so. so fortress uh you have
1: some uh reviews or mail right polar well you know it's 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 all these reviews and stuff actually we have a <clears throat> donation detail here from uh, william and uh, he says he loves our podcast he's 52 you're was old 30 plus years of experience a lot of experience uh thrilled to find an objective critical source of information um, that is free of the sales hype anyway he's thanks us for that um and we have lots of stuff as usual on our itunes podcast page we have some interesting comments in here and uh
2: can you read some of the most recent ones
1: oh yeah you'll like this one Lonnie. these three guys are genuine experts in their fields Anyways, got learned a ton by going through the archives. A lot of people say that, and we've mentioned that in the past, that people find us and they just uh, kind of gorge on, on the past episodes.
2: Or, you know, that's, good, that's a good point uh, because uh, my understanding, I mean, when I listen to other podcasts, I tend not to go back to 2011 or 2010. You know, I mean, I tend to listen for the newer stuff. Eventually, I'll go back. But you're right. I mean, when you say gorge themselves, yeah, a lot of people like, I've been listening to old episodes every single day as soon as I discovered this. And, I mean, that makes me happy because we've got all these experts that we've had on. You don't want that to just last for a week before we replace it, you know, so.
1: This is a nice one. It doesn't get any better than this. The hosts walk the walk and are have been competitors in a lot things, the thing. Their combined years of experience in the Iron Games is well over 60 years. Probably closer to 75. These guys are the furthest thing from flight, fly by night fitness experts. It's educational, motivational, and entertaining. I'll be listening for years to come. Subscribe today. Thank you. I Sweet. mean, there's a lot that's on here, but uh, we are they, all I, I, you know, if we read too many, it's going to sound like we're blowing our own horn. But we, we certainly like reading the comments for sure. Because uh, as we've said many times, I mean, if I, I, without that kind of thing, like the three of us could just be, you know, speaking out to the wind. Yeah, you know, every it's week, true. You know, it's like for all we know there's like, you know, <laughs> nobody's listening to us. So, <laughs> yeah, we like like hearing that there's actually people listening. Right. Cuz I mean, you know, we don't make it, we don't make any money from doing this, so you know. Well, and Phil that, and I don't. But you do. I mean, sorry?
2: I said well Phil and I don't, but you've always been raking it in. Oh. We know. Phil well, and I yeah. know. Yeah. We found yeah. out. Yeah. Okay, well, I'll tell you. Let's go to break uh and then we'll come back and we'll uh Talk
0: more. Three, two one swole tech. Swole tech. Time to get hardcore.
1: check.
0: Heck on slabs of meat on your physique.
1: Whoa,
0: Two inches on your guns in ten days. check. People will ask you, what's your secret? What's your secret? Whoa whoa, 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 Get yours, today This 4th of July weekend Prepare to get die die monster truck route make Mega Mega monster truck undi Do you want rock bottom prices? Be a bearded, bearded, bearded badass <laughs> Numbers, don't lie bearded badass would you like to put 400 pounds on your bench press this month badass there's only one place for powerlifting gear forklift sports that's right visit our store in downtown new york city browse a huge selection pick one out grab a seat grab the controls and watch the gas powered lift raise that bar with ease two ply three ply child's play come on down and get yours Day. Yo, prime time. Prime time. Let's go.
1: This is Internet Radio. Welcome back to Iron Radio. We're here with, uh, well, myself and Lonnie. Uh, unfortunately, Phil has had to uh, vacate his chair for uh, pr- other pressing matters. But we're here. Indeed. Hey, um,
2: Fortress and I were talking over the break, everyone. We originally... And we're not going to use his name because we're still going to try to get him on. Um, But arguably, at least by internet claims, the biggest, strongest power lifter ever. Um, Unfortunately, uh, we had planned to have him on and he's unable to come on with us. So we're going to answer a couple of Facebook questions at this point. Um, There are some sticky ones. Uh, and, Rob, you said you saw one about the anabolic window. Was that from our Facebook page or from somewhere else?
1: No, I actually. Well, um, no, I just received it in my inbox, so. Oh, okay. Um, but I'll read that one. I know you've discussed this in various forms on your shows, but I'd like an update because it seems like it's been a hot topic lately. What's the story on the anabolic window? Is it marketing to sell more whey protein or is it legit? The way I see it, it doesn't hurt to stick to a pre and post-workout shake because if it does work, you get the benefit. If it doesn't, you still are getting in the protein you need anyways.
2: Yeah, we really need David Barr on here. He was on our very first episode. Uh, We were sort of laughing about the episode was called how to how to get fat, I believe. Um, But David makes a very strong argument that the post-workout window has been grossly overblown. Now, the truth is there are some things hormonally and with enzymes and things whatnot in your muscle tissue that do enhance nutrient utilization, you know, after a workout. Uh, but having said that, uh, I can see why some people say it's overblown because on some level, uh, let's say you lift hard and heavy and you turn on protein synthesis um, that's according to doug duncan mcdougall and this is fairly old old research at this point but probably 24 or 36 hours that protein synthetic window is open where you have elevated protein synthesis so some people would say well you've got extra time why bother well i would argue you should still bother because if the sooner you get in that first meal the sooner you can get in the second meal on the third and the fourth you know if you dilly dally for several hours you sort of missed one in that 36-hour window, that makes sense. So if you can fit five meals in there, uh, that's better than fitting in two. You know, so I'm a fan of trying to get home and get some protein in you. You know, 20, 30 grams of a high-quality protein um, as soon as possible. Now, people also make that argument with the carbohydrates, which is, uh, well, you know, if you wait 24 hours, you can pretty much replenish your glycogen anyway. So. Uh, But again, for for similar reasons, I would argue at least that the timing is still important because the sooner you replenish your glycogen stores and reswell that muscle cell, probably the better. Can you, again, can you reestablish your glycogen stores uh, over a longer time frame? Yeah, you can. But it's just like with frequencies of of workouts. You know what I mean? The, The more quickly and the more frequently you can do it, the more you'll make progress. So... It is true that your your carbohydrate stores like your muscle and liver glycogen reserves they will rebuild over the next 24 hours or so. And I can see people making the argument that why go hammer a bunch of white rice and white bread and do all this stuff when it's going to come back anyway. Well, it's true. I mean, maybe that kind of rapid post-workout window, you know, kind of hear about the 2 hours after a workout, there's there's this window um, and it is true things like glycogen synthase and you know, uh, the the muscles ability to take up carbohydrates because some glucose transporters and everything more active. Um, But like I said, from a muscle building perspective, not just like, well, I've got two days, I've got to rebound for my next exercise. Well, fine. Uh, But if you don't have two days, somebody, you know, might think the the post-workout window is overblown. But again, from my perspective, I would still try to squeeze in something as soon as possible because that means two or three hours later you can do it again, you know, and then again, and then again, and you just actually fit more nutrient surges in that time frame if that makes any sense.
1: So, yeah. well, you know, I mean, from from just a standpoint of just a layman like myself with these kinds of things, it always seemed um, I, I've never been like a you know um, window of opportunity. Junky in in the you know like frantic and stuff like that, but it it has always seemed logical to me that when you take something, you have to give something back, Um, and that kind of philosophy has always driven the whole my whole kind of you know idea that yes it's it's like you're saying Lonnie it's it's a it's a good idea you know when you take lots from yourself. You have to give lots back, you know. And I always use analogies. You know, you guys know that I, I, I love analogies. You know, it's you drive a car a long way, you know. You the more gas you burn, the more you have to fill up the tank. Um, and like you say, if you, it, you know, the sooner you fill up the tank, the f- sooner you can get back to driving again. So right, you're kind of you know uh, keeping that process like you're, you're like you know it, this is kind of the same way of what you're saying, Lonnie. But you can kind of keep this process more smoothly going along. And, and like I say, if your body is, in, a, I mean, most of us have engaged in training sessions, workouts that have been terribly, terribly abusive to ourselves. So much so that you're just spent in every conceivable way. You know, physically, neuromuscularly, food wise, fuel wise. You know, emotionally. So if you can give yourself a heaping dose of fuel right after that. So if your body is in, not peril, I like kind of, but you know what I mean. Right. It, it Und, under under stress, some, yeah, right. I mean, it actually has something there. Like you know, it's like it's it's here's another another analogy. You know, you have uh, tools and nails and just various duct tape and stuff at your house. So if something happens, it's closer by, and you can more easily access. You know, uh, take it. Whereas it's I see I think the same thing with your body, the more easily available it is for your body to grab what it needs if it so needs it as you know, at, at a at a crucial time. And so you know, and and like we all know, I mean sometimes you can be so spent after a session that, you know, um I mean and it also never seems to be lost on me that I can eat some completely ridiculous meals after a particularly brutal training session and not suffer any of the normal side effects that I would if I hit eat that meal at any other time.
2: You know, Rob, if I can tack onto that, what this happens with me with caffeine, like if I hyper caffeinate, you know, I'm drinking some of this, uh, Mike Walker's bring, bringing in that death wish coffee and stuff. If I go train my butt off, um or just even train moderately hard i get away with it you know somehow you you spend that uh you use that excess energy and but if i weren't to work out after consuming something like that i'd be up all night you know what i mean so i that's a little bit different from what you're saying with fuel and replenishment and everything but for similar reasons god exercise and diet they're just two sides of a of the same coin in a lot of ways you know
1: yeah I mean and, and just kind of further to what I was just saying without we getting too graphic, I mean again, some of these meals that I have had in the past after a brutal training session would leave me on a non training day or at another time at various times horrifically gassy. Yeah. Incredibly you know, have taken three craps in a row in the <laughs> two hours. <laughs> yeah. You know, like I mean again, not not trying to be crude here, but I'm just trying to really, you know, paint the picture of what, what I'm saying you know um wake up the next day feeling you know bloated and but no you know i've 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 eaten these ridiculous meals and felt no side effects whatsoever from it i mean there's, there's got to be something there i'm kind of owing to what i'm saying about you know the body grabbing things that needs at a very again it's kind of an overblown word a, but, you know, perilous time. So in a manner of speaking, kind of lends credence to the whole anabolic window kind of philosophy in a way. But um, I, yeah, I mean, with, without being a scientist, I kind of subscribe to um, to it to a certain degree for the reasons I've spelled out. Well,
2: I think even a physiologist would support what you're saying by maybe calling it the mass action effect. You know, that when you have a certain amount of substrate on one side and you have a certain amount of deficit on the other it's going to move in that direction you know and so like you're saying you know all this excess nutrition, it's going to move toward the depleted muscles you know in a sense and i just think there's a lot of common sense to it too again maybe we'll get david barr back on and say you know talk us out of the post-workout window idea you know um
1: disabuse us of Uh, of this notion uh, yeah yeah
2: and just you know have fun with it
1: you know yeah. No, that's that's a good idea for sure. But um, you know, I I I'm also a big believer in kind of going with what feels right. Um so if if that makes sense to you on kind of a fundamental understanding of kind of these types of things, then then go with it. And I, I it certainly hasn't served I don't think I think you can definitely say that it hasn't served anybody who's kind of lived by that mantra wrong to do that. I mean, um, and, and for no other reason, but what Lonnie says is a great reason to do it. Just the whole idea that, you know, like I will literally on a training day um, where I want to go, say, mid-late morning, I will literally get up three, four hours earlier so I can get an extra meal in before I go to the gym. So, I mean, and that this is what Lonnie is talking about, the whole idea that, you know, if you can ever squeeze an extra meal in justifiably, you know, and not in a gluttonous way, but actually a legitimate meal... Then do it, do it, you know. And yeah. so, if if you can do that, and you, and, and, and there's no pr- better time to really do it than, I mean, you're, if you're at the gym with some buddies, or I mean, you and I used to do this all the time, Lonnie. You know, like we'd train and then we'd go to a, you know, immediately after, and you know, go to a restaurant immediately after yes. as a celebration of what you just did, right? Because I mean, people, all cultures throughout the world use food as as celebratory kind of, you know, that's symbol, a good term. So. It is celebration.
2: Like we'd go get, uh, we'd shock the waitress and we'd order two full entrees you know and she's like what each yeah <laughs> <Right>. yeah,
1: <laughs> yeah.
2: Uh, i i did want to say one thing though when you said there's you you're not really familiar with any downside to the post workout thing i have heard a few times something that irritates me a little bit where people will say well yes you're more sensitive to carbs but if you eat them then your carb uh sensitivity wanes um you lose that carb sensitivity if you you know, eat the white rice or the white bread or the sugary drink afterwards or whatever. And I'm like, duh. I mean, why do you think you're more sensitive? You know, because the muscles have just worked out. You've got a lot of glucose transporters that are active. Your glycogen stores are depressed. Of course, when you flood your system with, uh, you know, tons of whatever pasta, I don't know, whatever, of course, then you're going to go back to being a little bit less sensitive you know what I mean? Because you've just flooded the body. Why would you continue to be super hypersensitive after you just start carb loading? You know, in the couple of hours after a workout. So that's always bothered me a little bit. To me, that 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 sort of betrays uh, an ignorance of physiology. You know, well, I I want to keep my carb window really sensitive, and I don't want to stop uh, my elevated metabolism from burning fat. So I'm going to continue to fast. Well, then you're screwing yourself. You know, because the flip side of that is you can skip why don't you just skip many meals then if you want to keep burning fat you know you're also <laughs> right.
1: you, you know you're also going to lose muscle just stop eating just stop eating totally there
2: you go there's fortress's solution yeah. you know so yeah. when people say oh i don't want to lose you know that fat burning and i don't want to lose the carb sensitivity by eating carbs after the meal or after the workout that that's to me that's silly i mean You might as well eat the carbs, get them back into your muscles so you have lots of glycogen. You know, a full glycogen stuffed muscle is more anabolic, and it's more ready to train tomorrow. So keep the workouts for, you know, the fat burning and all that sort of stuff, whatever you want to do. But don't starve yourself because you're afraid to lose some of the glucose sensitivity that you developed from the exercise. I don't you know i don't know why anybody would, would do that like i said you if you take that to its logical conclusion you're just going to fast for hours after a workout and that's just plain stupid yeah. you know you have to have some practical sense here eat
1: time to eat you know <laughs> you, you know it's it's i'm kind of a big champion of this and i know a lot of people probably know this on the show but people overthink things so much you know when when What's very reasonable and logical is staring them right in the face and doesn't need to be debated for freaking four days. Um, I'll I'll shut up about it yeah. anymore more, like because because I'll, I'll come across being a little bit of a dick. But well, I mean, I am a dick, but but, <laughs> but you know, but you know what I mean. Like I just I, I think people sometimes just overthink things. Yeah, and I've said this many times on the show, and I know Lonnie, you're familiar with me saying things about, and 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 certainly I, when I've said what i'm about to say to you i'm always kind of conscious of the fact that you are you know like a dietitian <laughs> you know you're a nutri- nutrition guy and all that but you know sometimes you can get your head so far up your ass worrying about you know what vitamin d is doing you know that you're missing the big picture that maybe you should just go to the gym you know go to the gym right. squat 300 pounds and eat a steak afterwards well, you know what i mean like the, the truth is just, just get like to it kind of a
2: thing well just like with this carb sensitivity and not wanting to lose that It's like, well, the flip side of that logic is you're not taking advantage of that extra carb sensitivity. Uh, And like you said, you get in these logic loops, and it, it comes back to the old professor I used to have. He used to say, you know, Lonnie, just because something seems logical doesn't mean it's physiological. And what he's getting at is, A, it might seem logical, but you have to go really look. You have to have some research to know because uh, let's face it, I could make a very strong argument on this show that water is a thermogenic. You know, we're going to get shredded on water. We got a new super thermogenic, and I'm I'm telling you, I could really lay down the evidence, yeah. brother. Um, but the the point being is, um, yeah, it's a it, it's analysis paralysis, and even worse. The reason it's analysis paralysis is because the body has so many homeostatic mechanisms to bring us back to even keel. If you what you think you're doing, you're probably not, um, because something's adjusting for it. Some other system, and you've pointed this out before. Some other system is adjusting for it. So, okay. Well, I'll tell you what. Let me go to this next question before we run out of time.
1: This is Internet Radio.
2: there was a question and i've been dying uh to add some comments to this i made a very brief one on our facebook page but uh, paul said does anybody know of any high protein diet studies on people with a single kidney um i won't go on but he basically is asking about creatinine and urea and all of that sort of thing and this is a this is a touchy uh situation it's actually hard to understand um oftentimes people know that um a dietitian who might not be familiar with it or a health educator person, they might say, oh, protein's so hard on your kidneys. Um, now, when you have one kidney, it does call into question a special situation. I mean, he says he's taking in about 150, 160 grams of protein a day. Um, now, the truth is, your kidneys do do some extra work to get rid of excess protein, right? Your liver plucks off the nitrogen and then that becomes urea and your kidneys filter that urea into urine so you're peeing out extra nitrogen uh and i guess the point being is most dietitians would agree if you put somebody who has kidney disease not one kidney but if they're in chronic kidney disease one of the treatments is to withhold some protein so you don't do have extra work on those kidneys getting rid of all that urea um but a lot of this, it, they've extrapolated into healthy people or healthy kidneys. Uh, and even if you have one kidney, it tends to hypertrophy a little bit because it's doing more work. Well, there's something called the Brenner hypothesis, and it suggests that extra work on your kidneys hurts them. But it was just a hypothesis, and a lot of clinicians just took this and just ran with it. You know, And they'll put people with kidney problems on very, very low-protein diets. But one of the things that I was going to say was – a the literature is not quite as crystal clear on that as you might think and b one of the things they will agree on is just instead of taking in lots of semi-quality protein make it count and get a very high biological value kind of protein you know stuff like we consume anyway whey casein stuff like that egg um you know and that sort of thing but the question was sort of thrown around and i don't remember exactly but um about creatinine clearance. And I've measured this in the lab. I've looked at microalbumin, which is a kidney damage marker. I've looked at creatinine clearance. And the truth is, when you're on a higher protein diet, uh, you'll end up with higher creatinine clearance for various reasons, uh, which actually you have to be careful using creatinine clearance as a marker of kidney function because it will change for various reasons. And you have to be careful looking at microalbumin as a damage marker because it will go up and down like from a workout, for example. So unless you're also familiar with resistance training, you have to be very careful interpreting stuff like albumin secretion and creatinine. But uh, the point being is creatinine secretion from your kidneys, creatinine is a breakdown product from muscle tissue. And the whole idea is if your kidneys are doing a good job, they clear that out very well. And if they're uh, suffering, they, they don't clear it out as well, right? If your kidneys are a filter for your bloodstream, you want them filtering all the stuff out that th- they should be. But like I said, the amount of protein in your diet can actually make it go up and down. Higher protein diets can cause higher uh, creatinine clearance uh, in some studies, not in others. Um, so you have to be very careful and say, oh, my creatinine clearance is high, therefore my kidneys are good and filtery. You know, my creatinine clearance is low, therefore my kidneys are bad and not filtery. Uh, there are other things that go into this equation, and I I wish I could go on, but I'm going to lose half the half the listeners out of boredom. Uh, but you can't just look at it like that. So um, I would suggest, you know, if you're getting, you know, 1. 1.6, 1. 1.8 grams per kg, um, you don't have to do the full-blown gram per pound that is excess and a lot of lifters don't want to hear that but it really is excess i mean mark tonopolsky did some very straightforward work um gosh more than a decade ago um and he kept feeding people more and more protein throughout the course of a day and when you went from the rda of around 0.8.9 grams per kg and you went up to 1.6 i think it was there was a nice improvement in the weight lifters um in protein synthesis and whatnot protein retention you know nitrogen retention uh, and when he went up to closer to the gram per pound level there really wasn't a further jump so the gram per pound that gets met or even exceeded by a lot of lifters that it really is excess i think where a lot of guys drop the ball is they don't even have calories and we've gone on about this in the show you can't just have the building blocks you got to have the fuel to knit all that protein you know muscle tissue together so I don't see any problem with some. Again, I'm not giving specific clinical advice for goodness sake, but um, if you're getting 1.6 grams per kg, that is not a gram per pound. A gram per pound would be 2.2 grams per kg uh, of protein. So, you know, 1.6 or so is going to be enough, um, and especially if it's a high quality protein, and then you eat a lot of quality calories along with it, you know, depending on your goals, of course. Uh, so anyway, that's a very sticky subject and that's why I pointed and not to sound self-serving but I pointed Paul and some of the other guys to that uh, chapter three in that CRC press protein book that we advertised during the show uh, because there's a lot to learn about this stuff um, So anyway, that's a very specific situation and I'm not trying to disagree with any nephrologist or anything like that. Um, but it does help to understand where exercise plays a role. And I think that chapter, I mean, even take portions of that chapter and show the nephrologist. I mean, it's a heavily, this is not my opinion. It's not even just my research. Some of it's my research, but this is a massive literature review from the medical literature uh, about how lifting and kidney function and protein interact. And there's not a ton, ton of that out there, trust me. That's why I actually started studying it. So... um I just wanted to address that kidney and protein thing
1: as well. No, that is actually very interesting.
2: Well, you yeah. know what? It's like so many of these other things. It's You have to study it to um, get a better grasp of it. It's almost like this thing that just never goes away, which is how much protein can I digest at once? You know, things like that. It's like, listen, you're digesting almost all of the protein you eat, you know, dude. Um, the real question is how much can you assimilate into muscle tissue? And that depends on right. anabolic hormone status which and other things which is why athletes dope hormones. So anyway, at least there's some questions from everybody. We're actually near the end of of our time allotment here. So uh, a couple of things quickly for everybody announcements before we let you go. One is we're going to get Joe Shalero on the show. He organized that uh, Akron Strength Clinic recently and uh, he's an accomplished lifter on, on his own. And one interesting thing about Joe, he's very humble um. It, even as he gains more and more knowledge and and com- competitive experience, he stays humble, and he's very interested in both raw and equipped lifting. So it's kind of a fun perspective, you know. He's he's not uh, preachy about either way. So we'll talk to him about the clinic and about uh, his decision to actually enjoy, you know, because you've heard people talk about how uh, an equipped lift in many ways is not like the raw lift at all. It's a different lift. It's almost a different movement, the way you're kind of riding in a groove or sitting back in the suit. You know what I mean. So uh, he's going to be a fun guy to talk to. Uh, We've got Jaya Dixit, and she is going to add some more to our um, editorials. And by the way, we have a lot of very bright guys and gals on our Facebook page. You are more than welcome to contribute. If you go to the ironradio.org homepage, there's a giant box in the middle of the screen toward the bottom that says listener editorials. That's what that's about. You can actually just use your sound recorder on your computer or heck with phones now, they have great microphones. And you can do what Jaya and... um, jonathan mike and other people have done and just record a brief like write write out maybe a 500 to 800 word little editorial read it uh you know deliver it into your mic and send it to me by email or send it to rob and he'll forward it to me and boom now you're on iron radio in our editorial section so uh just a a shout out for our listener editorials because we have again a lot of expertise In our listeners, and you know, share it with other people. Maybe you've got a gripe. Maybe it's a current event. Maybe maybe it's a new study. Um, Whatever it is, it could be a nice, um, you know, sounding board for you to uh, offer it up on Iron Radio. I mean, we do have a page for it. So, anyway, so that's just a couple of um, upcoming events. Uh, I know Phil's got a couple of people in the works, and again, we try not to tell you who's coming up. I just confirmed with Joe but uh, we're going to have Danny Schugart back on uh, I'm not going to say when because there's some touch and go with this stuff but and we're going to focus on after the diet I want to make that topic after the diet because so much you hear in fitness is about how to get ripped nobody talks about what to do once you're, you're in that temporary state of 4% body fat and you've got to return to normalcy I don't think I've ever heard it addressed so we're going to talk about the refeed you know, um, after the diet, how do you refeed after you get very lean? That'd be interesting. I hope for the, both the female and the uh, male bodybuilder and physique athletes, because I just never hear that get addressed. And I mean, if, if you do that badly, um, I think you could end up with everything from thyroid suppression to poor adrenaline function, all kinds of stuff. You know, you hear the term metabolic damage all the time. So we'll get Danny on and we'll talk about that a little bit more as well. So we've got some good stuff coming up in future weeks, Phil. Uh, as usual, is going to pull in some hardcore athletes and that sort of thing, strength athletes. So, um, good things coming up on Iron Radio.
1: Absolutely. All right. So until next week, uh, happy training, happy days, and uh, we'll we'll
0: see you soon. See ya. Three, two, one, swole tech. Swole tech. Time to get hardcore.
1: Whoa, whoa, check.
0: check. Heck on slabs of meat on your physique.
1: Whoa, whoa, check.
0: check. Two inches on your guns in ten days.
1: Whoa, whoa, check.
0: People will ask you, what's your secret? What's your secret? Whoa, whoa, check. Get yours. Today. Do you want rock bottom prices? Be a bearded bearded badass. Numbers don't lie. Bearded badass. Would you like to put 400 pounds on your bench press this month? Badass. There's only one place for powerlifting gear. Forklift sports. That's right. Visit our store in downtown New York City. Browse a huge selection. Pick one out, grab a seat, grab the controls, and watch the gas-powered lift raise that bar with ease. Two-ply, three-ply, child's play.